This is Get a Load of This Podcast, where we cover topics for truckers and entrepreneurs alike. Our guests are coming straight from the trucking industry and industries that directly influence and impact the truckers and trucking companies. We want to bring tremendous value to today's leaders and entrepreneurs and our future of the trucking industry. The common passion amongst our hosts and our guests is one thing. It's you. It's you, the people that make this country move, the trucking industry. Enough with the introductions. Let's get this load on the road. We are your hosts, Thomas, Cameron, and Ryan. Let's get rolling. Welcome back to Get a Load of This Trucking Podcast. If you're returning, we appreciate you as always. Thank you for your loyal listening to us. Uh, If you're new, which hopefully we will get some new people every week, it seems like more and more are coming in. You're in for a special treat today, my friends. So as always, your host, Cameron Pichy, founder of Valley Trucking Insurance and Get a Load of This Trucking Podcast. The mission when I set out to do this, however many years ago, is just bring value back to you bring insight, industry knowledge, tools, tech, people, whoever's making a difference or doing cool shit. That's who I'm trying to find to bring to you today. I'm pumped. We got a couple special guests. Let's, uh, we'll just round up, call ourselves the commission. We're going to recap this year, go through some stuff and then talk about what is badass and the opportunities on the horizon next year. With me, I've got special guest, Rick Globitz. Rick comes from us. He owns Origin Transport, he is a trucker, well, owns a trucking company, also Open Hall, and then also the guy, and you guys will recognize these people from before, I've got special guests with me, Christopher Jolly, or aka the Freight Coach, so I don't think either need an introduction, but here we go. So, Rick, what's happening, brother? What's going on, man? Thanks for having me on. Dude, I'm stoked. Thank you for coming on, and I know that uh, you guys are busy, and this is real people making real money and real moves, so if they cut out, that's because they got fucking freight moving. We've been dealing with that already before we got on, but uh, how's world in Vegas, man? How you doing? It's good. It's good. Uh, Things are super busy right now. For those who don't know, we specialize in temperature-controlled solutions, temperature-controlled commodities, so it's uh, uh, right now. Tis the season right now, right? So it's all... uh, specifically Idaho, Washington, Utah, Nevada. And that's uh that's where shit's popping right now. So we're slammed. It's a good thing, not a bad thing. I wouldn't have it any other way and growing and uh you know, it's a real blessing. It's not hot as fuck in in uh in Las Vegas for once. <laughs> right. So, you know, soaking that up a little bit. But it's about I'll- my time to get down there, man. The snow's starting to move in and we're about to hit that weather real quick. So, you'll probably see my face a little bit more. Yeah, man, you can sleep in the office. I got a place for you, you know. No, we're uh, it's golf season, man. You got to get down here. I know, man. Uh, I did see a Spike DAT put out their report. They put out all the time about, you know, freight and what freight's paying what and averages and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I saw Reefer took a jump up. So I think hopefully that's good news. Probably to be expected because the time of the year. But what does that mean to you? Um. You know, it, it's really, this is pretty standard in, in in the refrigerated game, right? Like a lot of, the, especially the spot market, which is what DAT typically follows religiously. Yeah. You know, it's, it, the seasons are based off of whatever commodities are getting imported or whatever the growing season is for that commodity. This time of year is especially hot because you have all the holidays, the potatoes just got dug in Idaho and Washington. Apples are coming out of Washington. So it's just a multitude of things kind of stacking on each other. And uh, for the next 
November is completely brutal. I mean, there's far more lows than there is capacity. And then uh, December, you start to see it kind of rile down, and then it just falls flat on its fucking face in January. So, um, but uh, so no, nothing out of the norm, you know. No, I love it. Uh, Chris, how you doing? Dude, I'm good. Thanks for having me back on, as always, man. And, you know, like you said, there's we're real people out here doing real things. And, you know, and I think that, you know, even on my content, we talk about this all the time, right? Like we're we're actually doing this. And there's such a big difference between hypothetical estimates and actual execution. And, you know, like I was just talking about on my show today, like I'm not sitting here saying any of the information uh, that is out there is wrong, but it's very, it, it's not really applicable to a lot of us in the industry, right? Like the macroeconomics of freight have no effect on my book of business or like growing it or growing customers and everything else, right? And that's where I'm at right now is, is we're just out here trying to add in as, as much business as we possibly can and grow it up the right way. You know, like we're, we got a brand new customer that we're working with right now. We're in the beginning stages of them. You know, it took probably a month of prospecting and then me going on site to their facility and then getting set up and moving some shipments with them. So it's like, you know, it's, it's stressful, right? Anybody out there who wants to sit there and say that it's easy is, is lying to you, right? There's a lot of moving parts that are out there because I specialize in open deck and heavy haul, right? So it's like this project that we're working on right now is, is a crane offload tomorrow morning and the shippers got limited hours and we're trying to balance all of that stuff out. Well, you know, essentially doing the right thing, communicating, keeping everybody informed and you know, letting people know what's going on out there, you know, because this shit's not easy. It's not perfect. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of effort to get things up and running. And, you know, you can do a thousand things right with somebody. If you do one thing wrong, you're never going to have that same relationship ever again. And by wrong, I mean, stop communicating and, and, and like essentially remove yourself from a situation. You got to keep people informed. You have to keep people in the loop about what's going on. And it's not easy, you know, like I, uh, you know, another customer that I ship with, you know, we ended up paying out of pocket. We we failed on a load a couple of weeks ago. All you know, it was a hot 911 style shipment out there. We quoted it. We had a truck locked in. Unfortunately, something happened or that truck couldn't pick up. They had to find another option. But why that relationship is still happening is I let my customer know what was going on right away. I didn't withhold anything. I didn't hope that we could possibly do it the next day. I I ripped the band-aid off, right? Because all I can control as a broker and as a business owner is my communication, my actions. There's a lot of stuff that's outside of our control. And I think that if it doesn't make difficult conversations easy, but it's I can sleep at night knowing that it's like, well, you know what? I'm gonna come up short sometimes. And that that's just one of those things that that's all I can look back on, right? Did I do everything in my power? And Richard, Cam, you guys can fucking look at this too, man. As business owners, there's fucking so much outside of our control. And we just have to look back and be like, all right, could we have done something different? If we could, we got to improve because I got to show up tomorrow, right? Just like we all do. We all have families to feed. We all have things that we got to do. I got to show up no matter what. I have, you know, developing a short-term memory, I think is the best piece of advice I could give to anybody right now because- when you're developing something, and, and really when in all times when you're developing something, rejection is a constant. Fucking up is a constant. You just have to learn from that and then move on. Yeah, 100%. There's three rules that I try to operate by 
is like, and, and everything will go. You do what you say you're going to do, when you say you're going to do it, and how you say you're going to do it. However, <laughs> shit happens and when st- stuff's out of our control. In fact, Rick's a client of mine. He's came on and said that before. We've had a couple issues pop up in relation to whatever it was, billing or whatever the, the issue was. And I call Rick and I say, look, <clears throat> we messed up. It, it, here's what happened to be honest with you it wasn't even our fault but like i i had had a conversation rick i don't even know if you remember this i said look i own all mistakes when it could have been or should have been or something i could have caught or could have done better i still fucking own that i'm going to come to you with that and and i remember you and and nikki were like dude it's not even your fault i'm like but it is because i could have caught it somehow we could have avoided this issue and i remember talking to you rick about that That was one of the biggest pivotal moments for me is just owning if my team messes up i messed up if shit went south and it lands at my feet i own it i pick it up and i never pass the the blame on to anybody even if it's somebody's fault blatantly i will still own it come up make it right and then deal with the other stuff later right on the back end yeah, I mean, accountability is is a huge thing, right? And I feel like it's so underrated. And a lot of people are like, but it wasn't my fault. And it's funny because what they <laughs> right. say is that what they're trying to do essentially is just be like, it was, you know, I'm not at fault or, you know, there's nothing I could have done. And the second that you don't take accountability for anything, even if technically speaking, you know, like you're talking about and, you know, yes, you're our, uh, you're our producer. And then, of course, there's the pro- there, there was a little bit of something that went down there. But if you don't take accountability, you're immediately claiming you're a victim, right? That That's my big thing about accountability. If I say that, hey, there's nothing I could have done about that carrier being late or that fallout that just happened or, you know, letting down a client in some way, form or fashion, and I try to blame it, I try to pass the buck, I'm immediately saying that, hey, there's nothing I could have done. Well, guess what? People don't want to fucking deal with the guy who can't do anything, right? Yeah. People don't want to associate themselves with the, the guys that have no ability to to accomplish a goal so clients don't like that and you shouldn't like it either i mean to be to be blunt about it i mean you're you're essentially saying that hey i'm a victim i'm going to lose this is all out of my this is all out of my hands and you're seeing a ton of that right now i own i own an asset base obviously origin the asset division of open hall companies origin transport it's 20 trucks 25 trailers millions of dollars worth of equipment and mouths to feed and insurance bills and you know everything going on there and uh just like everyone else the the freight market's trash the only difference is is i refuse to fucking say there's nothing i can't do about it right because Amen. at that second i'm saying hey you know what the world the big man the the government got me and or the whatever whomever got me and it's you know Joe victim Biden's of circumstance fault. right and, yeah, dude, and yeah. like Fuck that, man. I am the circumstance. You know, you're, they're a victim of me. And I, I genuinely believe that. It's a, I mean, it's it, the one of the most frustrating things I, I see. And I have, I've literally let people go because of it is uh, just saying, you know, basically just giving up because they feel like it, it nothing's ever their fault. Um, yeah. I'm Ownership, Ownership's everything, man. Like no matter what, because it's like, dude, even if it isn't your, because like, okay. Put case in point, it, you know, you're like, you're a broker. Oh, it's, it's the driver. No, it, it's your fault in actuality when you're talking to your customers. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, they booked it with you. They didn't book it with the trucking company, right? So it's like having that accountability is so crucial. Because I think that that's what, like, yeah, you might be putting the on the bench for a little bit with some customers. But if you didn't shy away and you just h- held yourself accountable and you owned it, 
it might cost you a little bit in the short term, but the long term, you're just be a you're a better person for it, and b that customer will inevitably work with you again. Oh, a thousand percent. I, I agree, a thousand percent. And and do what's necessary and learn from it. Like mistakes happen, fallouts happen, breakdowns happen. All of these things happen. We run brand new equipment. And even those trucks are code now. It need to go into the dealer, and we got to recover, repower, swap trucks. You know, do, do whatever we got to book a third party carrier to do power only round trip. Whatever we got to do to save the client, and it costs us money. Literally before I got on this call, I ran a couple minutes late. Just before I got on this call, I booked a a, a negative. I'm not proud of it, but I personally had to book this load at a negative fourteen hundred dollar fourteen hundred dollar loss. So for all the carriers out there saying that brokers uh, just make thousand dollar rips all the time. <laughs> Not always true. Uh, but, um, you know, I had a book at a $1,400 loss, but it was that or leave the fucking load on the dock. And uh, guess what? You know, we're going to we're going to get that truck in there. And it's there's all you can do is is make a mistake, except except that you made a mistake in some form or fashion, even if it was a carrier that made a mistake, learn from it and keep growing. You know, what could have you done different? So no, accountability is a big deal to me, especially in this market where it's just so fucking easy, especially if you're asset based or even as a broker, you're seeing the same kind of stuff happen with brokerages right now. You know, it's so easy to just blame it on somebody else and give up. I'm not a giver or upper, you know, so it's uh, there's, you know, there's plenty of money to be had if you're just smart about it. No wins and lessons, no losses, right? You need to learn from what happened. Take okay. the L and learn and move on. Hey, let's talk about this last year. So part of why I asked you two to come on is you bring a good diverse perspective to the podcast from an asset based with you, Rick, also from the freight uh, for your freight type with the reefer and then Chris from the flatbed. And, and they're two different cycles. They're two different customers. They're two different everything. Chris, how has the last year been? Let's do like a quick recap of the ups, the downs, the lessons. And like, because all I've heard, and if you just look at, let's see, Facebook or these groups or the talking heads, a lot of it's negative and I get negativity gets publicity. I understand that yeah. stuff, but it's not all fucking negative. Yeah. And that, like, that's why I love talking to you guys. And you guys are my friends because yes, it is not easy. And you'd be lying if we were up here saying, hey guys, it's all rainbow and sunshine and butterflies and all this shit. And everyone's making money hand over fist, but it's not. So let's talk about what the year was, Chris, for you and your clients and your side of the, the, the business here? I think at the end of the day, welcome to the fucking show. Like, it, <laughs> it, you know, like I've been in this industry for, yes. you know, 12, 13 years and it's always been challenging, right? Like I wasn't actively moving freight in 21 and 22 when the, the gold rush was going on because I was consulting at that time. And when I got back up and running, I'm like, all right, yeah, it's it's tough, and you know what? It it it's taken, and it's still because we're we're building right now. But I know everything that I'm doing today pays off in the future, right? Like the instant results isn't going to happen in in business, right? So it's like it takes whatever that number is, right? Because some people are KPI to make all these calls. Uh, find the number that works for you. So like for me, it's like 65 outreaches a day. It's a mix between 40 of them being brand new prospects and 25 being existing prospects that I've reached out to. And it's that constant follow-up, right? Again, it takes a lot of time. And really the only way you're going to get in the door in this market is when somebody fucks up in their current network. And then they're going to look back and say, who's followed up the most? 
when they have reached out, how have they reached out? Has it been quality outreach or has it been a generic outreach and stuff like that? So I think that from a lot of our perspectives, we need to be focused on when you're reaching out, are you reaching out with a purpose? And then are you following through most importantly on everything that you sold on? Because I'm a firm believer, it takes about 20 to 25 shipments to get a real good feel for how a relationship is going to go with the shipper or, or a prospect or something like that. And I think you need to focus on that. But again, it's, you know, to, to, to kind of like we're talking about, if something happens, how did you handle it? Are you backing up which, with what you're saying? Like, it's very hard out there. It's very competitive. But this is where the real sharks swim. This is the market that I love. I love because I've been building this stuff up for the last three and a half years. I don't want to say um, I've got it all figured out. But I have accepted the fact that I am going to get my teeth kicked in 99% of the time, and I got to show up every single day and do it all over again and do it all over again. Because really, what am I, am I going to look my son in the eye and be like, sorry, kid, uh, you're not eating this week because dad was too big of a bitch to pick up the phone and do some work. <laughs> you know, um, I just think that a lot of individuals need to accept the fact that it is very challenging, but you can do it, right? Like yeah. this is when everybody quits. Yeah, when it's hard. This is when everybody quits. And if you keep pushing through, right? Your one phone call, Ed Milet says this, and this is where I, I, I got it from, or at least I think I heard it on this podcast. And it's stuck with me since I heard it. Your one phone call, your one introduction, your one interaction, your one email away from changing your life. As dire as it might seem, that's gotta be your mentality every single day when you show up. You're just one away. That's all you have to think about. Love it. Well, and I think a couple of things there is not only, so you alluded to like an ownership mentality. Not only do we own our mistakes, confront, we just, you know, you, you own who you are. An owner mentality means we're going to do work. We're not going to clock in and we're not going to get paid in a two week period of time for the work that you just did. That work might show up in a month, six months, two years, who knows? Right. That that's the that's the mentality you gotta have is like, hey, what I'm doing now is planting the seed and it will grow. I will get rewarded for what we're doing and the actions and the activities that's gonna happen there. Perseverance is huge. Most people want to give up right now. Most people look for the easy route. Most people are trying to use technology and how do they how do they take themselves out of the equation and not pick up the phone, not solve problems, not communicate, not call, right? These are the things that you guys do different. You guys still probably look at tech and embrace tech and embrace flows on the things for efficiency's sake, but you will never replace that experience because that's what people never. remember, right? They remember how they feel when they dealt with you. They might not remember the specifics. They not might might not Rick might not, might not even know how much he paid me last month for the insurance. But hopefully, I made him feel good and not like in <laughs> fucking like a a Vegas type way. Like when when but anyways, you know. We'll, <laughs> but but that like he knows like dude he knows what he's doing. He has my my interest at heart. He has my back. He tells me the hard shit when he needs to. He tells me what I can and can't do. Like like I don't tell Rick yes on everything. I promise you that Rick like wants oh. to go fuck. And gangbusters and do yeah. whatever and most yeah. salespeople would be like dude that's a commission check i'm about to make whatever because of this guy's doing this but i know that's not the right way and i'm like rick you can't do that like we got to slow down dude pump the fucking brakes <laughs> dude fucking love it chris hell yeah uh rick what's uh what's your year been 
Uh, it's, I mean, it's been, it's had its ups and downs just like everybody else, you know, but I, I mean, I, so funny enough, just like Chris, I miss the, the, the gold rush portion of, of the logistics side of the equation. Uh, obviously origin transport was alive and uh, getting built uh, open hall. Wasn't, you know, we missed it, my, you know, before open hall started uh, you know, I worked for a, a really large three PL and I was already in a loose market. That's what I came up in, right? Is yeah. is 100 calls a day minimum for a 5% response rate for a 1% conversion rate. It's a, this is nothing new to me. There's a strategy to it, right? Like Chris said, there it's definitely a numbers game. There's, there's that side of it. And then also just a knowledge game. I mean, the reason we love working with you, Cam, is because you bring so much information to the table. Even though it's not your job to answer half the questions that I have, I still know if it's insurance-related safety, you know, whatever the case scenario is, I probably can call you up and you're you're going to know something about it. Or you drop my favorite line on me, which is, I don't know, but I can find out, right? <laughs> and, uh, I use Cam, that a lot. Cam GPT. <laughs> you know, and... Uh, the, but the number one thing I can say is is be informed. You got to be informed right now on how the market's fluctuating and and know your particular market. As you said, yeah, flatbed, open deck, heavy haul, those kind of that kind of market. It, it's based off of the construction industry typically. Lots of building material requirements. It's notoriously slow in Q4. Um, you know, oversized heavy haul type stuff. Depending on what kind of stuff you're targeting in that market, because there's a lot. Um, it's definitely slow right now as well. The ground's frozen in half of fucking America. You're not going to be building a whole lot of shit what you know who would have thought right but on on my side of the equation this is kind of when you're you're busy you got about three months of safe haven and then uh and then you go back to the uh the other side of the equation so we have a, a you got to have a strategy then you got to execute it um, on top of that you have to be informed on your market so right now for us is actually the time to land clients right uh, I'm going to target different areas pending on uh, typically it's produce driven, right? So depending on what time of the year it is, there's different produce coming into different places. As I see those volume, that volume metric pick out, uh, then, you know, I'm going to actually target those areas and follow up on old prospects and focus in and kind of hone in that way. You know, right now I'm doing a lot of uh, targeted uh, sales in Washington um, and in, in Idaho uh, because that's where it's hot. Right. California was two months ago before that, you know, it was Arizona and before that, you know what I mean? It just kind of so understanding how the cycle works in your particular market. It doesn't matter if the if the lane's paying four dollars a mile because it's covid or the macroeconomics of it, essentially. Right. Or it, yeah. it, it doesn't matter. What matters is how loose is it? How, how tight is it? And where can you get the best response rate, in my opinion? And then still putting in the hard work, still making the 50 calls, still making the 65 calls, just hoping that conversion rate picks up a little bit and having something to offer when you do call. What are you trying to accomplish? Is this a backhaul? Will it pair up nicely with one of your other lanes so you can offer your carrier base round trips? Because that's what everybody wants right now. Is it, you know, a particular fuel price, uh, uh, fuel being asset based? You know, I'm looking at different fuel because it's, you know, a lot more expensive in certain areas than others. Um, have that strategy in your outreach. And then as far as the asset base goes, you know, what we're doing right now is we're going to land as many possible clients as we can service the shit out of them. We aren't even paying attention to our margin as much um, It's well, we're not trying to lose money like the Laredo example, but we're not paying as much attention to our margin. What we want to do is contract in long term capacity because in our industry. Uh, or excuse me, in my market segment, you know, there's about eight months out of the year where it's fucking horrible. So what we want to do is have a consistent set rate. It's okay if it's below the current market rate, because uh, the current market rate only lasts for three months, right? right. So 
We just want that consistent contracted lane that we can provide capacity for, um, and then even go out and use open hall to go out and find other carriers that we can contract in and offer that consistent capacity to uh, our shippers. So it's a little bit different than the historic you know, way of uh, brokering in the spot freight market. Uh, we're trying something different, but it's a uh, it seems to me that as long as you're finding, uh, you know, the right carriers to partner with, um, you know, I think it's going to be a better way. It's just a, it's a little bit more, uh, you know, it's a, it, it kind of levels it out a little bit instead of the wild swings you experience in, in my market segment. So, you know, and, but what it all comes down to is the customers, man, um, in my opinion, you know, uh, obviously there's many, many, many things in, in business, but right now is, uh, it's more important than ever that you service your customers, uh, that you part, that you truly partner with somebody and that you stick to them and build that network around you. Um, if you could do that, I think you'll be fine and focus on the fundamentals, baby, food, water, shelter. That's what, that's really what my, matters. So I love that great response question for you because i think like what comes to mind and probably most and let's focus on the asset side carriers anyway it's easy to succeed when you plan right so if you don't plan you're planning to fail type type deal but i love the concept of zooming out the lens looking on a little bit larger cycle not just the moment of the three-month wave that we're on and then it goes down and all of a sudden you're like the freight's down and you're just reacting to like what's happening real time. Yeah. But to like zoom out and say, hey, here's our quarter, our six month, our you know, three quarter of the year, here's our annual period, here's what's gonna happen. And here's the best strategy to get through this, knowing you're gonna have wins, you're gonna have losses, your lessons and all this kind of stuff. It's gonna go up, it's gonna go down. Most people, I don't think, plan that very well, right? And a lot of people, and it probably comes down to savings, forecasting, and all this kind of stuff. How did you guys sit down and come up with the game plan? Because I know it was tough, and I know you, and I, you know, like, I, I, it wasn't easy, right? It's like, it's not easy to forecast some big dips. <laughs> so it's like, shit. But but what were that? What was that process like? What were the steps taken to get you through that? What's a piece of advice for these guys that are looking at that, but don't necessarily say, "Hey, I've got all this cash to sit in reserve and kind of float through because things happen, right? Life happens." But but what was that process for you guys? Well, you know, and in, in for the not just us, but for everybody, it's it's extremely hard to do that. I think everybody wants a right now answer. The answer, I guess, the answer to your question is twofold. First. You would have had to, you would have had to have started quite a while ago because most people are sitting on E right now, right? I'm not gonna lie. I I've heard it from many of my friends who own 20, 30, 100 truck fleets, uh, even you know smaller types owner operators who are coming and leasing onto our authority. It's it's uh you know it's just so fucking brutal that there's nothing in my opinion personally that they could really do necessarily because there's no immediate fast action answer to Chris's point. I mean, it takes 25 plus loads to really get a good understanding of the flexibility of the customer that you're dealing with, what he likes, what he dislikes, et cetera, and to build a consistent, you know, um, you know, routing around them uh, to, to, to make sure that you're putting the assets in the correct place and putting your, uh, your uh, partner carriers in the right place to constantly keep the trucks moving you know, and, and being reasonable and not, and understanding that the four, five, $6 a mile lanes are gone. Uh, and that, you know, everybody needs to eat at a reasonable margin and not to mention finding the shippers, uh, the customers that, that are, that are going to stick by you when that, when those rates do drop. Right. 
we had a cold, we got a, a nice shock to reality this year throughout the year, because, you know, about half of our clients, man, they might've cut our rates a little bit, obviously, but they stuck with us, kept our volumes up, kept our fleet moving. Um, and, and we're extremely thankful for those customers. And the other half, shit all over us, right? I mean, it, they basically dropped their rates to spot market rates, even though we'd be contracted in for a year, contracts are a little bit different in freight, right? There's no actual contract. So it's, you know, but you got to have enough irons in the fire and enough relationships developing to really get a good idea of, uh, to have that uh, ability to, you know, not hit on all cylinders and still be able to go down the road. So as far as our strategy to it all, man, we knew earlier on, I mean, we were doing this in COVID, right? Uh, we were we were doing this in COVID on the asset side where we were taking freight from customers that were far below the spot market average in order to secure lanes that we could build around and we could build our capacity around and provide consistent, you know, consolidate our capacity into certain lanes to where we could provide more, more value to our clients. And because we were able to start that early, you know, while most people would have looked at us, heard the rates we were getting and said, wow, you're stupid. That lane, you know, you could you could go get it right now from anybody out there for X. We had a theory and we wanted to test it. And for the most part, it worked out. Now we still have those lanes in, in place. And, and in fact, it seem, seems to me every month I'm adding another client that just complements that lane even more. Uh, this goes back to what Chris was saying, right? It's an excellent strategy. When I go prospect a customer, I'm going to ask for something specific because if you just go to them and be like, yo, do you got freight? That's what everybody else is doing. Do you move any full truckloads? When, when I'm reaching out, I'm saying, hey, listen, you know, this is where our fleet typically starts. This is where our capacity is consolidated. We're running out to this place. From there, we typically go here. What we're looking for is that last leg from where I think your facility is built or where your facility is based um, going back towards the West Coast, let's say. And uh, I noticed your manufacturing facility in Arkansas. And, uh, you know, I, I think that I'm assuming that you are doing outbound because of the business model you are. Do you ever ship to the West Coast? Do you ever ship right into Idaho? Do you, what's your clientele like? What do you, you know, how could we help? Is that something that you think there might be a partnership there? They're much, much, much more responsive to that, right? They're, they're much more responsible to that, uh, responsive to that because you obviously, they feel like you can add value to them. They're saying, wow, this actually could be a great fit for what we need and for what they need. And that's a good partnership is when it's mutually beneficial to both parties. So that's kind of our strategy. However, I know that doesn't help a lot of the listeners as far as the assets go right now, because they're probably going to be building this from ground, you know, level zero. And, uh, you know, less, right? about, some, you know, like they're just scratching. But I think you did, though, in, in the absence of cash or, you know, a surplus of, like an ability to weather the storm. And this is something I've talked about kind of numerous times with and diff different types of folks is like building those relationships, diversifying. Diversification is key. Taking a sacrifice in a hot market, building that relationship long-term to say, hey, I'm going to take care of you right now. And I know that we're doing it at a loss, but like you pointed out, hey, we got a specific objective here. And then in the hopes, you, you got to hope a little bit that they don't drop you when the downturn happens or when it gets tight, but they keep you at somewhat relative stable pricing. So you can spread out those swings. 
I feel like is huge. And then you're not just a goldfish. That's where I think a lot of those relationships, hey, what freight do you have right now? Because this goldfish just needs something shiny to follow. And like, you know, they're going to be gone after a couple of weeks or a month or whatever. And then that, then the shipper is like, dude, why, why do we even work with this guy? Right. Where you're solving a problem long term, you're not changing your model strategy or location. They know they can rely on this. Hey, we know we can rely on this guy. Here's their capacity. Let's test them out a little bit. Give them a couple opportunities. You guys succeed. You exceed expectations. Then all of a sudden you get a little bit more and a little bit more. Next thing you know, you got a solid lane now, right? But you can't stop there. You got to keep going a little bit. Take part of this truck, fleet, whatever, power only here. Drop some in the spot market. Hey, there's some specialty loads paying here. We know the, you know, we know what harvest is coming out of here. And by the way, we got a facility just up north there that we can get back. So who cares what we're getting coming out? doesn't matter now right so i think that that's where uh the value comes is thinking strategically thinking a little bit more long term focusing on building those relationships i said it the whole time even during the freaking gold rush now's the time to build the relationships now's the time to put in the effort cuz they're they're open they're moving a lot of freight you can get in there now but how do you differentiate yourself how do you stand out how do you fucking bring value to them where it's like dude th- these guys are my people like we're going to help them now and they're going to help us that's that you hit the nail on the head cam i mean i i separate obviously that's that that's my side of the equation i uh you know i'm typically uh a customer focused i'm landing new accounts and 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 doing a lot of that kind of stuff and and helping manage some of our books it's a jack of all trades i suppose but my primary uh specialty would definitely be customer focused and you know it's a it's a combination of things i mean not only are you looking to add new new uh head hauls if you want to call it that i hate that term but you're you're just trying to add new head hauls and and break into new markets but on top of that, you're you're also as soon as let's say if you do add a head haul, I'm calling, I'm going back to all my other clients, you know, uh, and and asking, hey, do you ever pull out of here? Are you ever looking to get, you know, we just picked up Texas, for example, like so Texas is somewhere we're starting to kind of penetrate, get into, see if we like it, that kind of thing. And uh, one when we got our head haul built and the volume established, and we started building that out. Now I'm going back to all my other clients in Las Vegas, typically speaking, like in specific, the the distribution centers that, uh, you know, are going to primarily be using their full truckload capacity for inbound. And I'm going to those guys in Vegas, Idaho and Salt Lake City as our primary places for those kind of shippers and saying, hey, are you ever shipping in from Dallas? Can you tell me a little bit about the lane? What do you see? How how long have you been moving it with XYZ carrier? What do you bring out of there? Um, do you have any recommendations? And, and don't forget to ask for referrals. I mean, that I've landed a lot of clients off of simply saying, hey, you know, it looks like you got a relationship with XYZ. I think that they'd be a great fit for what we're trying to accomplish here would you mind making an introduction or if you you know if you wouldn't do you have any recommendations of how to approach them or do you think we would be a valuable asset to what they're trying to accomplish do you think they'd be happy with our service or are they a little different you know the answer is always yes because it's fucking me but you know you still gotta have it. <laughs> uh, it's, it's uh it's 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 working it's still not easy though i i don't want to i don't want to make it sound like everybody's just doing so great. And I don't understand why all these companies are going out of business. I do fucking understand why why it's so hard for people out there right now. But it takes strategy, man. I mean, you have to be and now is the time to sit down and grind because right now is when the winners are made. Like Chris said, he said, I I love these specific markets. Fucking a man. I I me too. Like this is when this I feel like is when it is clear 
who's going to be a winner and who's not. And uh, hey, Chris, I know you got to yeah. jump, bud. Chris has some real shit to deal yeah, with. Here, I got to get so. a load recovery, yeah. guys. Thank you so much, Cam. We'll always be in touch, and I appreciate uh, Richard. Good to see you, man. Yeah, good to see you, man. All right, we'll see you guys. Peace. Bye now. And I think a lot of that's kind of sales 101, right? Um, when you're taking care of people and you're helping others and you're doing it from a position of truly wanting people to succeed and like figuring out ways to bring value, which is what uh, like you and I met a long time ago. And that that instant that's instantly kind of what stood out is like, yeah, you sell trucks when I met you, right? That, that, that was the role you were in. But it's like, no, you don't, man. You're making connections. You're solving problems. You're getting creative. You're trying to bring solutions. You're helping with strategy. You're helping with things that people know that they need to do these things. It's like, I know that I should probably eat salads and work out more than I do, but like, oh, like I don't want to do that. Right. So like, I need someone to help tell me that I need someone to like, Hey, you need to be doing that or call me out on it. And that's kind of what you do. You pose those strategies or strategic questions. And like, you get them asking themselves like, Hey, not that you're, you're trying to sell more or do this, but it's like, have you thought about this? Or, Hey, here's what I've seen that works. And, you know, here's some other folks that I have as examples, and I'm happy to make introductions to them. Talk to these guys. Here's what's, here's what's done. And I think that now more than ever, and it's a perfect time of year, right? We're at the end of the year, business owners, people, leaders, managers, safety professionals, anybody should be sitting down right now, intentionally blocking out time, whether it's 30 minutes, an hour, two hours, wake up earlier, I don't care, to reflect, hey, let's see how how did this year go? Did I hit the benchmarks and the goals I wanted to achieve? What were the big surprises and things that I learned from this year that I can apply to next year to help? I don't have a crystal ball, but these relationships are good indicators. These things that I did strategically could put me in a better position next year. So it's more likely to go this way. It might not, but you at least know where you can focus your energy and time. The big thing, I'm a big proponent of the 80-20 rule. Hey, 20% of your customers will generate 80% of your revenue, guaranteed. Like, it's just the law, right? These are like rules that have been tested, theories tested time and time and time again. So focus your energy on the 20% or the 20% that is potentially going to align best with you that you can help solve their problems and become their 20%, mm-hmm. right? Or 80% of revenue or whatever, whatever however you want to look at that. And I think intentionally thinking about it, you know, you can, you know, uh, law of attraction, right? People do vision boards, all kinds of shit. It's, it's corny and this and that. But I think when you're intentional and you're clear and your vision is so clear and your energy and focus sees the end result, the end goal, the end picture, your daily actions support that. You're just going to do that, you know? I don't know. How, do, you, do you spend time planning, looking and reflecting? Oh, God, did too much. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like I'm, I'm real big into the, I was, when I was, when I first started out in sales for quite a while, actually, um, my strategy was just work hard. That's the kind of family that I come from. Uh, it's yeah. just, it's just put everything into it. Definitely like the Elon Musk type, you know, answer to a question like that, where it's like, well, if that fucking guy's working eight hours and I'm working 16 hours, even if I suck and he's great, he would have to be twice as good as I am to be able to accomplish as much in those eight hours. And that's if he's working just as efficiently. Like, I I do really believe in that. But what I did start to realize a little bit later on is 
Now, if you can establish that work ethic, like that's the baseline, right? Like more and more things become the baseline as you accumulate more and more skills and and, and more and more beliefs and, and traits. But, you know, that hard work mentality is something that you have to have to succeed, in my opinion. But on the flip side of that, what if you could work just that hard, but be twice as efficient? Now we're now we're getting somewhere, right? So it, efficiency does come down to the planning, to the strategy, to setting the goals and the benchmarks and to understanding what went wrong before, what we can do to make it go right and what actually went right and leaning into that. So, you know, I mean, that's actually a perfect example is what we're doing this year. We saw this last year when, uh, when I said, you know, we're just trying to acquire right now for me. I'm acquiring, I'm focusing on customer acquisition, you know, additional accounts. I'm focusing on penetrating that 20% of customers to, to pick up more lanes and provide more service to them so we can uh, maintain. I'm focusing on building more contracted lanes. So we have that because last year we did that essentially on accident. And it got really brutal in Q4 and everybody was running a million miles an hour, but then Q1 hit in Q2 and, uh, and our numbers were just as good in those months as, uh, they were in Q4. And we were like, oh, you know, like that's, this is, this is something that, uh, this provides value to our carriers and capacity. This, this allows our asset base to continue to scale. And probably most importantly, it increases my network. I'm a big believer in having a good network. Uh, one, if you want to call it a sales strategy, you can, I've just always done it. Uh, but when somebody hits me up and they want something or they need something or they got questions, I typically do have somebody, I either have the answer or I have somebody I can kind of push them towards and say, listen, you need to talk to this guy. Um, and that right there is is massive to, to anybody, uh, be it a vendor or a customer or a carrier, you know, to be able to help them solve their problems when they know that you aren't making money on it. That was my strategy at Kenworth where we met and was like, fuck yeah, that's what we need to do. We'll do essentially exactly what you said. Every right now, it's almost like a week by week approach because a lot of things have changed in in our firm. We're establishing a new culture, a winning culture focused on more of a performance side of things, uh, making sure that everybody that's here are people that want to eat, people that want to you know get after it. We're building out you know obviously new customers and stuff like that. But you know every week we sit back and we evaluate those short term prospects. Travis and I do, my partner towards as we get closer to the end of the year and we kind of get that you know Christmas that Christmas New Year's uh, volume slow down a little bit we'll take a week maybe even two weeks and start building out you know 2024 and uh, the entire time that we're doing that we already have kind of a, a list uh, a program that we use where we're constantly putting in more and more ideas so we can go back and reference those and say should we do that should we do this uh, scratch that one from the list let's build this one out see what it looks like how do we think that'll play in um new markets do we want to get into anything new right now probably not be you know or whatever the case scenario is so having those plans provides direction and ironically for salespeople in particular this is for you if you or if you're trying to get into sales having a direction will allow your closing percentage to increase because once again you're going to your prospects with a specific solution and for a specific thing that you're looking for that you can provide value to them on anybody can source a full truck load. like they they expect you to be able to source a truck if you're a broker um just yeah go get me a fucking truck anybody can do it being able to provide value or be extremely strong on a particular lane or provide 
any kind of specific value proposition. That's what's hard in this industry. Um, and, you know, you mentioned tech earlier. Uh, yes, absolutely. We we do use a lot of tech. We don't think it should. I think I don't necessarily think it should be the end all be all solution. This industry is very manual and it, it'll stay that way because of how quick things change, even once a load is tendered. But, uh, you know, it does provide efficiencies on the back end and it does provide extra value sales tools, essentially, that you can use to to go to your clients and say, this is what we're doing. This is our approach or build out a solution for them and and build out capacity and, and do all these things. So that's to answer your question. Absolutely, man. I mean, strategy and being ahead of the ball is everything. Uh, I can tell you right now, if we didn't do those kind of things a year ago, year and a half ago, there's a good chance we wouldn't be around. You yeah. know, uh, I mean, there we had we had a rapid growth period. I mean, it just plain and simple business fundamentals. Right now, the market's being is getting squeezed and, uh, you know, good hearted people that are hardworking and giving it everything they ha got. It's not just the bad actors leaving. It's it's people. It's good fleets, good businesses that are being forced out of business just because they got caught with their pants down. Um, you know, without the customer base we have, and without some of the uh, you know the operating expenses type decisions we made, um, you know, we probably wouldn't be doing as good as we are right now. So um, it's man, it's there's so many things, but the number one thing, especially if you're an asset based carrier, I can't preach this enough, especially if you're an asset based carrier, because your costs are so fucking high and so much millions of dollars depending on your size. You have to plan. Uh, there's, you know, you have to get ahead of the ball, because by the time that you realize you're in troubles, and you need something in particular, it's already too late. And, uh, you know, there's, I hope more people, I hope more people start doing that. I don't think you see it nearly enough in this industry. No. And I think people, once you get to that point, you're operating out of a position of desperation and not out of position of F you, as John Goodman says in the gambler, you know what I mean? And I really think too, truckers don't leave and just head due North or head a direction without a GPS or a map. <laughs> so it's like, why would you run your business any different? Right? Yeah. Like you have an idea of what you want this business to be, then plan for it, you yeah. know? And I think something you mentioned, and this is hard to do. And, and as a business owner myself, this is really hard to do because every idea is a great idea. Everything you do is great, right? It's hard to take inventory of your processes, your procedures, your tools, your tech, your spend, your um, employees, or all this kind of stuff. It's really hard to make hard decisions too and cut those things or yeah. make hard decisions to maybe let people go trim down on certain things. You can't do it at the integrity of what got you to where you're at, but you have to make decisions. Maybe it's just an interim or like a small intermittent process where it's like, hey, we're going to just stop this for six months because we have to, <laughs> like yeah. we have to do this. We got to cut off the hand to save the body, right? Yeah. So you got to make those hard decisions. But if you truly want to survive, which I think most people do, sometimes you have to do that. And sometimes you have to take a loss or an L on a load to accomplish something and to like zoom out that lens and understand that. What uh, what are you excited about for this next year? Let's talk a little bit about um, what's on the horizon, what you're looking forward to, what you think maybe, I know you don't have a crystal ball, but just kind of your thoughts on what's going to happen in the marketplace and like what people should get excited about. Well, and, and what people should be excited about is just is uh, 
like freight, the, our industry is, I mean, literally it's used uh, like for macroeconomics, it's, it's used as an indicator of what's going to be happening in the economy because it always runs forward. You're going to see it first in trucking, I guess what I'm saying. You'll see the downturns in trucking first. You'll see the uptrends in trucking first. And I do believe what you're going to get excited, what you should be excited for, and hopefully maybe be in the position to take advantage of is there's always this key point in time where because of the down cycle, you're able to go procure equipment or different things at great deals, uh, maybe even other companies at great deals and, and be able to buy those companies or that equipment or find great people, you know, at great deals. But also understand that, hey, we're kind of bouncing along the bottom right now. We're about to have an uptrend and kind of prepare for that uptrend. So I know that's a lot of what we're doing. I think that's something that we should all be extremely excited about. You know, next year, Q1 will probably be really, really, really hard. I, don't, I wouldn't say expect anything great out of quarter one. Quarter two will probably be once again, bouncing along the the bottom, the baseline of, of the bottom side of the market. I really do think in Q3, especially in Q4 next year, you're going to see this thing start to heat heat up and you're going to experience that up cycle into 2025 and then big 2025. But like we were just talking about the preparation for that entire synopsis of 18 months starts today. So you got to start preparing for that now. And that's what we're trying to do. Uh, as far as what I'm excited about in particular is there's been, as you know, a massive restructuring within our firm. Uh, and I'm talking, you know, culture wise, people wise, and and it's not perfect yet. We're still streamlining a lot of those processes. I'm I'm really excited to get everything in place there because I think the future is extremely bright for what we're trying to accomplish. Um, you and I've talked a little bit about some of the specifics, uh, but um, I'm I'm excited to see that roll out and actually come into play. Uh, you know, I that's going to happen in 2024, where I think we'll experience some as much growth as what's you know intellectual i guess what's the word that's smart as much smart growth as we possibly can incorporating a, a couple new technologies we have in mind uh to provide a more uh, streamlined seamless process for uh you know collaboration with our clients um, i'm excited for that i'm excited for some of the partnerships that i'm starting to develop and nurture now not only customer facing but carrier facing and bringing everybody in under one roof uh to, to make essentially a co-op to give everybody a little bit more power and a little bit more uh, uniformity, essentially. Uh, you know, I'm excited to to kind of provide some of those benefits to, to people that I know didn't have those options before and uh, let them leverage, you know, some of the stuff that we've built out and, and vice versa, let us partner with some of the hard work choices that they made. So that's kind of vague. I don't want to jinx it, essentially, but... Uh, what I guess what I'm excited for for my firm in particular is I'm already actively watching this all come together. And it's this is uh, my first, you know, ability to direct and run and, and establish a vision. Actually, uh, this is new to me. And the fact that it's working, man, I mean, like, I don't even know. I'm not a religious person, but I find myself praying at night because I feel like somebody was watching over me, you yeah. know. Uh, yeah, and, it, and I, I find myself extremely thankful for for everybody that's been a part of this, yourself included. And, uh, you know, it's it's coming together. And in Q4, oh, fuck, bro. It's, Let's go. Dude, it's on. Like, we're, 
I'm we're going to we're going to get out there and we're going to pillage, man. Uh, I mean, it's going to be like the 2007 Patriots or some shit. It's, <laughs> it's like we have a we have a fucking team of hitters in place now. And every last one of them are hungry like they they all just want to dominate. And that mentality to me, while some people I'm sure in this day and age, they would be like, well, that's extremely unhealthy. And, uh, well, you know, fuck you. I mean, I don't know what to tell you, like. I love winners. I want to surround myself with winners and performers and people that want more. If I, I I don't care if they're filthy rich, I want them to want more and and to be a part of something big and a winning mentality and culture. And uh, and uh, we're already seeing it, man. So we're already seeing it. And for as far as the everybody else out there, man, uh, the bloodbath is almost done. It's weird how it went down this time. You know, you are seeing the owner operators and some of the typical exposed individuals and businesses go out of business. But on top of that, you're seeing something I've never really seen before in my lifetime, where you're seeing massive, multiple massive companies leave the marketplace as well. And that's how this industry works, man. It's a bloodbath, uh, you know, during this time. And because the down cycle is so extreme, you're, uh, I think, you know, the the impact of, you know, some of these companies leaving are going to be massive, massive opportunities um, uh, for people coming into 2024. And you just oh, got to get in there. Just how do you do it? And if you're small and nimble and you can uh, move on the fly, whether that's grabbing talent from the driver pool, getting equipment or whatever the case may be, or fulfilling commitments that they had, there's giant gaps in capacity right now obviously people are stepping in there's obviously obviously positions and pawns in play well before anything hit the public news like we know all that but that still doesn't mean it's going to be taken care of 100 and obviously it wasn't so now's your time to get in and get in there and um plan for the year ahead man i love it i think that it's super cool too to kind of consider the impact you can make with a co-op type structure and bringing value to so many people that a may not have had it before or just don't know where to get it or how to get it but you can make it easier for them like hey part of our network and part of joining us and part of partnering with open hall and whatever comes of this um you get these benefits too this is how we want to help you how much value can we bring you um not even on a self-serving way like you may or may not get paid it doesn't really matter but like how can i help you mm-hmm. right and likewise, for me, that's always been the approach because an out of company uh, trucking company does no good for me, right? Or out of business yeah. trucking company does no <laughs> yeah. good for me. And like, I'm not in it to work with you one year and then you leave the next or whatever the case may be. Like, I, it, it just doesn't work that way. And if I did, then I messed up. There's something I did wrong, right? Yeah. And oh, I yeah. reflect on that. So we're we're so excited for the co-op, man. I think uh, that's it, it, not to be uh, go all nerdy on you. But yeah, I mean, over 95 percent of this entire of the entire capacity for higher carrier network is less than 10 trucks in their fleet. Right. Yeah, okay. And, uh, it, you know, fleets of a, that have 100 between a 10 and of 100 trucks or 50 and 100 trucks, uh, it costs them. They have about a 2x, uh, excuse me, fleets that are 10 trucks and less are, you know, it costs like fuel and tires and a oh, lot yeah. of things are twice as expensive as it is for hundred truck carriers and vice versa going from a hundred to 500, uh, then 500 to a thousand. And these are real industry statistics that, that people research and are running and, and, uh, this is what they do. And, uh, the, I think the idea of putting, putting hard workers that really just wanted to be wanted to run their own business essentially still giving them that freedom to be able to do that 
Um, but also putting them on a level playing field with some of these bigger guys. Uh, I mean, it's an immense, it's immense. I mean, we just brought on a, a three truck carrier. You helped us on boards, a couple of his trucks, mm-hmm. um, to the insurance side. And he had a, I think it was like a, a on average, uh, we were comparing, we use the same app ironically for fuel and we were comparing, uh, same locations, uh, same location, same fueling network. We had on average about a 75 cent uh, decrease, a, a cheaper fuel fueling network for him, you know, in multiple different places that he fuels. I mean, we looked at multiple states, 75 cent per gallon decrease for him, you know, just that's huge. That's percentages on profit right. there. That's huge, man. Yeah. Huge percentages of the profit. Uh, obviously, the freight network is massive for these kind of guys because a lot of the smaller guys have a hard time providing any kind of meaningful capacity uh, to a shipper. So it's hard for them to get in. Um, you know, uh, the brokerage margins being able to to be able to keep to to remove that from the equation for them, and you know, all of it, the insurance and the big, higher quality insurance. You're a big believer in Great West Casualty, so are we. After seeing how they handle a lot of the situations, I mean, they're one of our most valuable partners. Safety standards and scores, even though that's one of the things you and I've played a little bit of tug of war on, and there is a healthy balance. I mean, look, Origin Transport's been nominated for multiple safety awards. We've won some of them. Uh, uh, our safety director actually was just nominated as safety director of the year for for the state of Idaho, and those things actually have direct impact impacts on your uh, on your P and L. I mean, and on your operating expenses, and we get to reap some of those benefits. And we want to let some of some other people come in and and take advantage of some of the stuff we built. So. I just I think the idea of building an actual true co-op where no one's trying to take advantage of each other, everyone's got to eat, right? Everyone's got to eat, but building a true co-op is something that this industry unfortunately hasn't really gotten to experience truthfully yet. Um uh you know because everybody's just trying to get theirs and make that their pie as big as yeah, possible. Yeah, it's a lot of self-serving, right? For the things that you kind of see Bill and and I don't blame him. Hey, get your money. You know, I want you to do your thing. But there is a ton of value in just helping the masses and helping people and doing it from a position where um, if you made a dime off of it, it doesn't really matter, right? You need the thing to function. You need to pay for itself and you need to probably get compensated a little bit of your time. But like you can do it in a position to where, hey, I'm not trying to make millions of dollars off this idea and truly impact the industry. But in, as a result, though, you, I mean, well, I think what you get, what you put out comes back tenfold, who you help comes back tenfold. Um, and it's an abundance mindset, right? In this market, it's hard to think that way, but the market's not going anywhere. Trucking's not going anywhere. No. You know? And Never. the people that come out of the other end are going to reap the rewards and the benefits of all the things that happened to this point. Cause you just stuck it through. You had enough grit and you were persistent enough and you persevered through these tough times that you'll get rewarded at the end. You really will. I think so. And I just want people to join me in those, in those rewards and awards. And that's the new, that's where we're going. It's working, seeing it already. And, uh, ironically, what gave me the idea is some of the freight that we move. A lot of these potatoes, it's nothing, it, the the concept is nothing new. Uh, a lot of these farmers, they they create co- co- cooperatives so they have better buying power and can yeah. provide, you know, more produce to big retail chains and get better deals. And, you know, and it works extremely well, so well, in fact, that it's pretty rare that they don't join some kind of co-op. And, Man, I'm uh I'm extremely excited. I think 24, 2024 is the year I buy my first jet. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but it, <laughs> you know, like I I think I think 2020 vision board. 
vision right you know it's i think 2024 is the first year that we really do see us uh to, to get to a level where we can really provide something substantial for not only our customers but also for our employees and for the carriers that join us and it's great man i almost feel like an asshole saying that because i know what people are going through right now i really do i i, I get it i'm watching people that i consider people who were at my wedding you know, go through some of the things that, you know, people who are going to watch this podcast uh, that they're going through actively right now. And um, it's 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 brutal and it's hard and it's it's no reflection of who you are. It's 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 just is what it is. Um, you just got to know how to navigate it. And uh, I can't going. pick yourself up. Let's go and, and say, let's go. Right. So it's uh, trust me, we've done our fair share of that this year. You're not alone. Yeah. So. It's uh, it's good, man. I'm, I'm Dude, I love it. I'm excited. I think everyone should be. Um, where can people learn more? I know you're, you know, you're active on social or LinkedIn or whatever platforms you're on. Um, where can they follow or find more or kind of stay tuned with what Open Hall's doing and that kind of stuff? So f- funny enough, we're <laughs> that's one of the things we're redoing because of the restructuring with how the firm works as a whole. Um, we're, we're rolling out all new social media websites, but it'll be openhall.com. Uh, we do have a website. It's just in process of getting reworked now. So there is kind of a landing page there. Um, you can inquire at hello at openhall.com. So, uh, be, feel free to reach out that, that inbox is constantly monitored. Hello at openhall.com. And, uh, you know, um, but we'll, we have Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook. I, we try to be as visible as we possibly can. So, um, feel free to reach out to us and see if there's any opportunities. We're constantly trying to build a network that goes for vendors, customers, carriers, all alike. Uh, uh, that's it takes all of us. You know what I mean? So love it. Yeah. Cool. And I'll put uh, the freight coach, a.k.a. Chris Jolly. I'm going to do him backwards there um, and put his info in the show notes. Yep. You guys can go over to him. He has a daily show. I highly recommend going in. He breaks down articles, has guests, a podcast. Um, he does a lot of good stuff and he's making a huge impact on the freight industry, freight brokers, carriers, every, everybody I really think would benefit from it. Um, but man, I thank you for your time, dude. I appreciate it. I know you're busy. Thank you for coming on. Of course, Cam. I uh, appreciate your time, man. We'll talk later. All right. Thanks, everybody. Peace.